0: All right, sweet. Let's kick this off, guys. We're super honored to have Layla Hormozian, co-founder of Gym Launch and Prestige Labs, (laughs) and Alan and acquisition.com, currently CEO of acquisition.com. She has a special place in her heart, obviously for gym launch and all the gym lords in here. So we're very, very honored to have her on. I'm super excited for this
1: talk. So I was thinking about like my biggest learnings over that last year and things that I have learned not being in gym launch or prestige anymore, being in acquisition.com, talking to now 30 plus businesses a week of all sorts of industries and sizes and seeing those common trends. I kind of wrote down the two things that I think are most important for everybody here, self-leadership. and then the second is leading your team, building that team, having that stability there. And so there's two things that I have personally worked on in the last year, looking at, you know, how do I become the version of myself that's worthy of a billion dollar company. One, I think that when it comes to your team, a lot of emphasis in the last decade has been around how to have hard conversations, how to address problems with your team, how to correct people's mistakes. What I don't think has had enough emphasis is how to reward your team. And this has been something that has been my main focus and how I have been building our team at acquisition.com in a way that feels a lot easier than I've built in the past. And I look to Why didn't I see this sooner? Or, you know, what was it that was preventing me from seeing this? And I don't think that I realize how much of a difference it makes. But I think what happens a lot of times we get into business, we're so concerned about the fact that usually in the beginning, we're a lot easier on people. And we have to hone in on how do we have those hard conversations? How do we tell people they're not meeting our standards? How do we hold people accountable? I think we can save ourselves a heck of a lot of effort if we focus on what we reward. And so I've taken a different approach as to how I give feedback and how I manage the entire team we have here. And it's much more reward focused. So rather than thinking, how do I give this person critical feedback? I instead will say, when is a time though, that maybe they have exhibited some of a trait that I want to see more of? Because usually when you're giving someone negative feedback, it's usually that you're not seeing something that you want to see in order for them to do the job. Instead of me thinking about all the times they missed that thing, I think of what are all the times they did do that thing. They did show that behavior. They did show that one trait that I need from them. And then I reward them for it and I recognize them for it. And I put that label on them that they are. Are good at that thing, and I have noticed that that has been the most effective thing that I could possibly do. Rather than holding people accountable, saying, "Hey, this is where you sit, and you're just really far away from the top," instead I approach it with, "Hey, you're so close! Look, you've only got these few things that you need to work on, and then you're a 10 out of 10. I think that you'll be an absolute powerhouse." When you frame it that way, nobody's scared; nobody feels any sort of like, "Oh, you're gonna fire them." Nothing like that. Their behavior changes so much faster because what gets rewarded is what is reinforced. The reason this is so fucking hard is because our brains always want to. The problems. But if you challenge yourself to find the good things in the people and the times that they have exhibited the thing you want to see more of, then you're much more likely to help them succeed because if they can borrow the belief that you have in them and they feel that you truly believe they can do it, they believe they're like, Layla believes I can do it. So I must be able to do it. When someone on your team is failing, they know and they feel shitty. All they're doing in their mind all day is creating this list of evidence as to why they suck. And so your job as a leader, like a true leader, is to create the list of evidence as to why they don't suck. Now, the second thing, understand. Understanding what it takes to really win. And a lot of people have asked me this question, well, there's probably a recession coming, like, what should we do? And I'm like, it's not about what should we do? It's about who you are. And we saw this, a glimpse of it during COVID. I will never forget, there was a call where there were two gym owners. One was in an area that was completely shut down and they were not allowed to do business. And he had just the most positive attitude He completely changed his business. He made it work. And he was actually ended up making more money within about eight to 12 weeks. There was another guy on the call. It was so ironic because he is complaining. He's just telling everyone why it won't work, why you can't do it. This guy had such a terrible mindset that it didn't matter the circumstance. He was looking for the negative and looking for reasons why he could fail. What I realized and really distilled it down to push factor. It ties to our core tenet of competitive greatness. It's something that I believe can be built. If we put ourselves in situations that are shitty and don't give ourselves ways out. If every time in your business, you see a challenge as a negative and you avoid it because it makes you feel bad and you experience a negative feeling and you don't like it, you're never going to get better. You're never going to grow. And you're also not going to have a team of people who are going to do that. Like your team is going to be weak because you're weak. And what's the difference between someone who's weak and who's strong? It's literally just, are you avoiding conflict? Are you avoiding uncomfortable situations and uncomfortable feelings? Being strong doesn't mean that you don't feel those feelings and that you don't sometimes mess up those situations. It just means that you still go through them. Can they find a way to actually get good at being stressed people assume oh well maybe they're not stressed that's why they're so good at being competitively great they're just better at being stressed than you are you're terrible at being stressed i think the best way to build that muscle is to just start today with something that's making you uncomfortable, something that you've been fucking avoiding, and go do it. So you can prove to yourself that you're not that way. You can prove to yourself that you are competitively great. Because I think it starts with doing the small things and eventually it spreads. We're take Nick top three things to do when looking to scale business to seven figures and exit. The biggest thing that people don't want with a, a business at seven figures, because that's considered a pretty small business, is inconsistency. So a lot of the times people want to sell their business, but they're extremely volatile at seven figures. So I would say the first thing is making sure that you're consistent in terms of where you drive driving consistent sales? Do you have consistent LTV? Do you have consistent turn? Like people don't like seeing big up and down months. Now seasonality is definitely accepted, but volatility is not. And so that's one of the first things in a smaller business what people look for. The second thing is how much relies on the founder. The only reason that, you know, we were able to, you know, sell majority, like we're still very vested in gym launch is because, you know, we were able to pr- put in a succession plan. Like nobody wants to buy a business that comes with a founder because we you know what everybody also knows is that most founders, when they get a check, they check out. And so now I don't think that's everybody, but I think a lot of people are that way. And so if you want to sell your business, I think that you have to have a team that is not. Just maintaining your business without you, but able to grow your business without you, and that's the biggest difference. Is people like, well, my team's in play. I don't even. I'm like on vacation. I'm not even working. I'm like, bro, your business hasn't gone up in like a fucking year. They're just maintaining it, and eventually, it's gonna die. And so that's the second piece. And then the third for seven figure exit is you have to understand. I think who you're selling to, so you can cater the business in that aspect. Like I think most people buying a gym, if they have a conglomerate of gyms already, that would be more ideal because it's more of a financial transaction for them. I think if it's like a one off. Off, then it's more of like a business opportunity for them. And that's a little bit less reliable, but a lot of how you sell your business is knowing who's going to buy it. If I'm selling a business right now, like in our portfolio, there's like two businesses that might sell, right? One of them is definitely purely transactional. A family office wants to buy this business for consistent cash flow. They're going to look for different stuff than a strategic buyer. A strategic buyer would be somebody who wants to buy your gym because maybe they have an operator that they want to come in and run it. And then they want to promote some brand within it, like supplements or something like that. And so they think, oh, this fits into my strategy that fits with another business I have, or it's complementary in some way. So I think the third piece is understanding who you even have as like a buyer pool so that you can prepare things accordingly to, to accommodate their desires. Reverse engineering. Yeah. Andrew asks, what are some of the best ways you have found to reward staff members? I love doing, you know, like gifts and things that are over like, like that kind of stuff. But like most people just want you to let them know. So slacking them, like immediately after you slack or box or text or whatever it is, like I try now to just be much faster with my immediate rewards for people. So it's like every time I notice someone do something good, like half the time, especially with my executives, I think that I'm annoying the fuck out of them. These people are like older, very seasoned executive. And I'm still doing it because I'm like, it works for people in general. Like it's not going to not work for them. And so I think the first one is just literally immediate rewards reward over text verbally, send a voice memo, just like expressing how good they did at something. The second thing is I think, I think the second would be recognition in front of the team. So, you know, like we have on our team meetings, like every week recognizing people. I think that that works if you do it right, which is it's not just there to be there, it's there and you can really speak to it and have passion about why what they did was so good. And so that's something that I've also really honed in on recently is just like when I'm recognizing someone publicly, I'm making sure it's worthy of public recognition And I'm not just doing it to do it. That's super key. That's a really good point right there, Layla. Yeah, because you know, it's like when everyone just goes through and it's like, oh, win of the week. And it's like, I just recently, I was like, I'm not even gonna put anything on there if it's not something I'm actually fucking excited to tell people.
0: Yeah, it's like, cool. you, You woke up and you have a heartbeat today.
1: Yay, you're winning. That's not really a win
0: right there. Yeah, it is a win because we're living, but there's also a piece of it where it's like, you didn't actually do anything stellar. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. Here's another one. This is not team related. So this is a slightly different one. Definitely more strategic on this piece. Would you buy a building for your gym? Why? Why not? Obviously with today's uh, interest rates, prices, real estate market, as well as the macroeconomic situation.
1: I wouldn't because I'm fucking horrible at real estate, just atrocious. Like every decision I have made has been horrible. So like as good as I can be at business, I'm that bad at real estate. So me, no, if you are good at real estate, you understand it. And it's something that you do. Maybe you've grown up around real estate. You have people that know about like if you feel comfortable with it, then you have to know yourself. You know what I mean? Like if you feel comfortable with it and you're like, I understand this, I understand real estate. I understand my options if the worst case scenario happens, which is always how I make decisions, which is what's the worst case scenario? if I buy the building, and could I live with that worst case scenario? If you can, and maybe it's a good decision for you. For me, I just tend to eventually end up with the worst case scenario on all real estate, and I just hate my life for it. So I've just don't do any of it because really bad at it. I love your honesty. It's fantastic. I'm it. like living, I'm like waiting in the shit of our real estate Yeah, <laughs> decisions currently. You, you and me both. <laughs> so Ariel said, how do you get, this is a good
0: one right here. There's two actually back-to-back, which I think are phenomenal. How do you get your team ready to ascend into sales, for example, and get their reps in real time without sacrificing sales?
1: There's not a like, yes or no, like, yes, they should take all their at-bats with real people or get, no, they should not and you should never sacrifice sales and it should all be simulated I think it's a balance I think setting a standard for I will give a person x amount of calls and if they are not able to close them then I will pull them off calls and we will simulate until I see improvement and then I will put them back on calls and then until they get to x percentage of people closed at least that. That's how I did it a long time ago, which was every day I would give a person like a new rep a certain amount of calls. And then if they like bombed it, I'd be like, hey, I'm going to take you off calls for the next couple of days. I'm just going to take them. You're going to shadow me. And then I'll put you back on once I feel like you've picked up more of the knowledge. And that's just kind of a conversation between you and that rep. Then I put them back on one, maybe two, see how they do. And then if they do well, give them more. So it's really a dichotomy you've got to manage. It's not going to be one way or the other. You just have to decide what your acceptable level of risk is in terms of how much money are you willing to lose training somebody. And that's different for everybody. It's also, there's no right or wrong. I think it's like, obviously you want to lose as little as possible, but you have to understand that you're always going to lose money training people. It's very rare you don't. So I think you just have to say, what's my acceptable level of risk given the financials of my business right now? I would say for most gym owners in this situation, they have to have a very short leash obviously. It's not like you've got years and years of cash flow
0: saved. Correct. Okay, this is a good question as well. Drew asked, is there a best framework set of questions for assessing if the applicant aligns with our values during an interview? And are there any other ways you recommend we can evaluate if our values match theirs?
1: I believe that values are filters that people use to make decisions. If you are competitively great, then when I ask you, do you wanna go run this insane race with me or something? Then you would say yes. If I ask you, how do you deal with a client who messages you at 9 p.m. at night and says that something blew up in their business. You would say I would stop everything I'm doing and hop on a call with them. And so I kind of look at it like that, which is if this person truly embodies this value, it is a decision-making filter they use when they think. So it's like if somebody values their integris, then if they don't have money and I say, "How are you gonna?" I want you to figure out how to get, you know, I don't know, something like this nice pair of shoes. Somebody without integrity is gonna think I'll just go steal them. (laughs) Somebody with integrity is gonna think I will find a way to go ask my friend if I can borrow money and I'll do this thing. And so it's really how people think through decisions. And so. Ask yourself about your values. Where do you exhibit your values the most in what situations? And then ask them how they would handle those situations. So, again, maybe it's sincere candor or it's, you know, don't sugarcoat it like gym launch. It's like, okay, somebody isn't performing or a client isn't meeting the standard, but you know that they're like sneaking food at night, like what would you say to them? If they're like, oh, well, I would just wait and see if they say something to me. It's like, okay, well, that's not not sugarcoating it. That's being avoiding. That's how I think about questions for values. I don't really have another way to recommend other than looking at places they've worked in the past, because if they've worked places that have very contradictory values, then that's probably a flag that, hey, maybe they don't have the same values as us. And that is something I'll ask people about, which is like, hey, the last company you, you worked at here was what it seems the value's. Where those are very different, you know. Can you explain how you think these are transferable, and if, or maybe they're not? Does that answer the question? You think? Sounds like it, Drew. Yes, thank you. Sweet. Yeah, for sure. Awesome.
0: Chelsea asks, "How have you and Alex learned so much in a relatively short period of time how to run and create businesses this successful when most people won't learn that in a lifetime? What is the key to getting that skill set fast?"
1: It's a good question. The only thing I can say is this: which is like growing a business is hard, getting better at business is hard continuing to take risks when you don't need to is hard. And I think that I just was not bred in a way to do things that were easy. I think honestly, both me and Alex just kind of saw the examples of what Taking the easy road looked like my identity, at least one of the things that I hold on to is being somebody who will constantly do the hard things, no matter how it feels. And for me, a lot of the times the hard things just happen to result in growth in business. But that's not why I make those decisions. It's because that is going to shape me into the kind of person I want to be. Like I look at, I mean, I, I just really resonate with the competitive greatness piece, which is like, I like the hard challenge. Do I feel good about it all the time? No, but I like it, if that makes any sense, which is like, do you like the stress that comes with business? and stress with learning all the time and pushing yourself and breaking your own beliefs on a consistent basis or doing things that you don't yet believe you could do, but you know logically makes sense that you could like even starting acquisition.com and I started making content and, you know, we set out to build this huge company, you know, like I had doubts. I was like, how the fuck am I going to hire people that have the experience building a company of this size when I'm fucking 28 when we or 29, when we started it. And I don't have the experience. Like they will, how am I going to get them to work for me? You know, I still had doubts, but I was like, I mean, what am I going to do? Not try. Like, that's just not who I am. And so, you know, I just go into everything with like the utmost willingness to fail because I would rather fail. And we have, you guys, I've seen us for a long time, we failed plenty of times along the way. And we've talked about those failures. You know, there's things that we've done that we've just ate shit. But I just know that that's a prerequisite for success. Like failure is. And I think that I don't let failure and neither does Alex. Like if we fail at something, we do not let us it prevent us from trying again. Even if that failure has me feeling awful or terrified or embarrassed or humiliated, like I know that I don't want to be ruled by my feelings. Like I want to be pulled by the desire of who I want to become. I don't want to be ruled by these feelings that don't really mean anything and are just, you know, human reactions that we were born with. <laughs> um, and so I see it like that. I think I think that's honestly what it is. It's just like, if you want to grow really fast, you've got to be really fucking uncomfortable. I am uncomfortable right now. Like growing acquisition.com. I had someone make a video the other day. He was like, how Layla runs acquisition.com in like seven minutes a day. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, I'm working like every hour of every day, busting my ass, so uncomfortable. I'm making content. I feel like I've never made content before. I don't feel good at it. Half my videos, I'm like, I'm fucking exhausted because I've been working all day. And then I've got to go make content. Or like yesterday, made content for six hours, then had to do five hours of meetings. And I'm like, fucking checked out on my meetings. I get on an interview. I don't even introduce myself. I don't ask the right questions. I'm failing all the time. But like, I don't look at it as failure if I don't do something or make a mistake, I look at it as failure if I give up. So it's like, I'm eating shit all the time and I'm just okay with eating shit. And I actually gain more confidence eating shit than not because I know at least I'm making progress. And I think that we're just willing to eat shit at a very high (laughs) rate. Faster than a lot of people. And I think if you're willing to do that and you're a psychopath, then, you know, you can do it too. Can I add a little bit of color to that as well? Layla, just from an outside perspective of having worked with you for
0: so long and having a little- I would love to hear what you think. Yeah, I think all of those are very true, but tactically, real quick, for anyone that's wondering how fast they're able to do it. And from my vantage point of watching them grow so fast and being a part of the ride and continually watching and having conversations about what they're doing and how they're doing it, it comes down to one word and that is, sacrifice. And because there's going to be a sacrifice on either side. And so the reason they're able to do that is because they're sacrificing something else to spend the time needed in order to learn the skill sets and fail and fail faster and learn faster and move forward. So there's a trade-off. There's always going to be a trade-off in like, your time being spent. And so they have made the decision, this is the game that they wanna play and they wanna play it at a high level and they love playing this game. And so they're willing to trade other things that other people may hold dear, but don't serve them in playing this game well. And they have decided to trade those and spend more time on the things that will serve them moving forward to be successful in the game that they're playing. And so the question for many of you, you have to ask if you wanna grow faster and you want scale, what do you need to give up in order to reach that and be able to do that tactically on a daily basis? You get motivation, you see motivational videos and all this stuff on YouTube or you're scrolling through TikTok. It's like, get off and start making content and do it. Do the work, start working, stop watching things, stop doing these other things, start consuming the things that will move you forward. That's really the like tactical answer for that. I can't tell you how many times like I would be in Vegas or Austin and I walk in and Layla's I'm in their house and I'm shooting videos. I show up early to shoot stuff with Alex and Layla's on a freaking elliptical reading a book. You're reading your book or listening to a podcast and learning and getting your hour on the elliptical. Right. And it's like, there's no wasted time because she's on a mission and she's on a mission to learn the Layla that runs a billion dollar company or multi-billion dollar company, right? And she has a mission and she's, She's going to do that. And so she also understands that there's sacrifices on that. So tactically speaking, for many of you, if you're in that position, it's something I've had to love, big time. And it was really cool to watch you
1: and Alex do that. And I learned a lot just from being around y'all. That's a good point. I mean, you know, like a big thing that people, I don't even think about it, but like, you know, people are like, why don't you guys have kids? And I'm like, it wouldn't help me do what I want to do. Like, there's nothing wrong with having kids and not having kids. I like love, and I like, there's a huge part of me that wants to, for sure. But I also have this like insane desire to like, to be something that I haven't had yet myself and just become a person and a version of myself that I haven't seen exist. And I'm like, I just don't know how I would do both right now. And so that is something that like we've sacrificed and we've talked about that that's a sacrifice. And I'm okay with it. So I think it's like, you also have to identify what those sacrifices are and are you willing to live with them or not?
0: Brennan, can I just go ahead and answer this for you? And then Layla, you can chime in with anything you want on what point you should consider opening up another location. Uh, Rules of this, this is for everyone. Please write this down. If you're ever interested in opening up locations, this is our rule of thumb. You need to be taking home, taking home, not your gym making, but taking home $20,000 per month, working less than five hours a week inside of your facility. And your gym should be growing for three straight months before you even think of starting another location. That's your metric goal. So taking home $20,000 from one location, one location working five hours or less in the actual location, and it's still able to grow without you, not just maintain, but grow without you. And it needs to
1: happen for a full quarter, not just one month. Anything else you'd add to that, Layla? Or you- no, I'm just like, and then what? Yeah. You know, like you open another location and then what? Like, what's the, I would just ask you like, why? What's the, what's the outcome that you want from having another location? Is there another way that you could get that outcome? And then the question is not, what do I do? What's my next step? But what's my, what's five steps from now? What after you have the two locations? Is it another and another? Or like, you have to have that, what is, five years out look like so that you can know if the decisions you're making are getting you closer or farther away. Love it. How do you suggest best time frame and format? I totally fucked up performance reviews for this quarter. So <laughs> I'm literally like, I like the template I use is like, I completely messed them up. So what I would say you should do is the best way that i've seen them done is you take someone's job description and you basically take the responsibilities that they have and then there's a section where you rate them and then they rate them and then you take the behaviors or the you know results that they're driving and then you rate them and they rate them so it all ties back to like that's why i think job descriptions are important is because i use them to basically measure someone's success in a company or not measure their success and i typically would have the employee fill it out first and then i will fill it out and then we'll go over it together now for frequency-wise, I think that if you're a really small team. Sometimes you don't need quarterly. Sometimes you could do it every six months. If you're growing quickly and there's a lot going on and you don't have a chance to have those developmental conversations, maybe you should do it every quarter. And I think that usually they take about 60 minutes to do each. I like to have a meaningful conversation. I typically ask myself going into each one, like, what's the one thing, like the one feedback, the one thing that if I tell this person, it's like the unlock for them. Like, I think I already said that earlier, but like, that's what i always think about with performance reviews. Like, not how am I going to tell them they fucking suck but like how what's the one thing that if they do this they will be that much more powerful and I actually got that question it was inspired by Lewis Howes because we went to dinner with him and he said Layla and he's like super passionate he's a really nice guy if he was wondering he was like if Alex could do one thing to become more powerful what would that one thing be and I was like that's a good question and so I stole that and now I've been putting it into performance reviews that's awesome I love it. All right. Dr.
0: Cam, he says, I've done a lot of coaching with clients on resilience, but I've never really thought to look at it with myself or my biz. When it comes to the mindset and working through the hard things, number one, how do you identify when it's a real issue versus a false perception? And two, how do you
1: determine if you need to work it out alone or lean on others? The first one in terms of identifying is if it's a real issue or a false perception is I usually, if you look up like cognitive biases or like um, distorted thinking, that's where I think I filter most of my stuff through. Like I literally go like, am I thinking in an all or nothing fashion? Am I catastrophizing? Am I overgeneralizing? Like I run through in my mind, those cognitive biases. And if it checks the box for more than one, which usually does, then I'm like, oh, okay. Usually it's a false perception. Perception, And it's really interesting because we went to an event that was like a really small event with Tony Robbins and he talked about that. And he said something that I thought was really powerful, which is you can either change your procedure or you can change your perspective. One is much harder to change than the other. And that is your procedure. Changing circumstances is much harder than changing our perspective on things. And so I've taken much more of an approach of most of the time when I'm working through a mindset thing, it's that I have the wrong frame. Like I'm framing something incorrectly. Maybe I'm like, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with this situation. There's something wrong with this person. Like, it's almost like we're thinking there's something wrong. When it's like, maybe that's just who I am. That's just what this is. And sometimes I'll tell Alex, like, God, what's wrong with me? I was thinking this the other day. And he goes, yeah, well, you are weird. (laughs) And I'm like, what? And then he's like, so fucking what? You're weird. Like, do you want to be like everybody else? And I'm like, no, I don't. So I think sometimes too with that, if it is like, okay, maybe it's not a false perception, right? And it's just something then it's, okay, let's look at the circumstance and how can I affect that? I would say nine times out of 10, it's a false perception. It's cognitive bias working in some way. And to determine if I need to work out alone or lean on others, that's a tough one. I think you've got to think through for yourself. I tend to only utilize myself, Alex and Trevor with anything that I'm thinking through. I do a lot of self-study in terms of like around my mindset, around like I've studied all different forms of therapy and I do them on myself just because I have, I think that like with anything when you ask for help from like an outside source whether it's a mindset coach or a life coach or a therapist or anything. I mean, there's just as many bad ones as good ones. (laughs) And I am very protective of my mental space and I don't trust a lot of people to speak things into me. And I don't think that many of the times they're accurate. Kind of like if you go to the doctor, it's like the first thing they wanna do is tell you what's wrong with you, right? I avoid the doctor at all costs. I typically, if I'm trying to work through something, will do my own research and find a method that I think is going to be useful for me in terms of like retraining my ways of thinking, which is usually what it is. And so I've just tried a lot for myself. So I don't, I think leaning on others, if anything, like I lean on Alex, but besides that, I don't trust many people with that. Letting them into my mental space. I would if I really needed to, and I felt like there was somebody who were equipped, but I think the sad thing is, especially like knowing someone as smart as Trevor, a lot of people aren't that equipped. That's super
0: important to protect that space.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like I, you know, I mean, most people, if I have opened up to people, they're like, oh, you work way too much. We've got to get some balance. We've got to do all this shit. And I'm like, why is this a problem? This is not what I'm aiming to do. So if anything, my whole life, when I have gone to people, they just tell me why something's wrong with me. I just don't accept that answer. I think that that's, I don't want to be normal anyways. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for normal. I love it. Do you guys want to
0: have Layla answer another question? Do y'all want another question? Layla, you want to do another uh, question? Yeah, I'm down. Layla, let's do this one. I actually really like this question. Wayne asked this, what's the biggest lever in a business that needs to be pulled in order to make an impact? wearing so many hats you are pulled addressing so many positions it's hard to see what's the most important
1: i mean i feel like nobody's gonna find this one to be odd for me but i think how much you pour into your team you as a business owner can never do everything and so every time that i feel overwhelmed or like i'm being pulled in too many directions i just know that i'm not pouring into my team enough i should always be finding ways that i am taking my constraints and making them their opportunities because if the things that i barely have time for why am i not pushing them onto someone and training them on how to do it and helping them grow in their role i think think that it's often overlooked, but if you look at, you know, like I just read a book recently that McKinsey talked about, you know, the, the, the focuses of a CEO and more of them are people than not. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that oftentimes we think that we need to be the expert in everything, but I think just over time, I've learned that's not true. And if you really believe and you push down to the people that you have on your team and you invest in them, they're the only appreciating asset in your entire business. And I just think team is everything. I love it, label. That's awesome. I'm going to stop
0: there because we have four minutes real quick. We have lots of questions, but it's also kind of hard to hit all these questions. I do want to leave it for you. If there's one thing that's top of mind for you, besides the team aspect and what you hit in the beginning and kind of thinking about, there's one piece of advice that you could give gym owners right now, looking back at your time, both obviously going into gyms, launching them, scaling them, that piece, then working with so many gym owners so close, and helping them grow their businesses, seeing the inside pieces of what's working, what's not, seeing successful gyms grow and be successful, seeing others grow, be successful and then fail, right? And struggle and vice versa. Like what is the one piece or two pieces of advice that you would like
1: to leave this entire group with? I would like to leave you with some confidence, which is something that I've realized working in so many businesses, building different businesses and seeing the inner workings of so many different ones. Gyms are not easy. And if you can do this and you can master building a gym, you could literally build a business as big as gym launch. If you can master the skills that they were taught here in gym launch. Like the things that are being taught in gym launch are the same things that need to happen in a hundred million dollar business. It's just a different scale and it's a different level. I always look at myself as if I can make this opportunity and I can maximize this one, I can maximize my skill set and I can completely milk the opportunity I currently have, then I'm also setting my future self up for success. And so I would look at it that way, whether it means you want more you know, you want to do a franchise someday or corporate owned, or you want to do a different business. Like I think for a lot of people, or you want to own a gym forever, either one doesn't matter. It's fine. It all is personal preference. But I think that just understanding, like, I think a lot of people think like, Oh, what's it like to, you know, run not acquisition.com? I'm like, I do the same shit you guys do. <laughs> it's just a different business. Like it, it sounds crazy, but it, it's true. It's just a little bit different, It's a little bit different culture and a little bit different of clients and things like that. But like the basics that you do in gym launch and you learn here are what apply to any other business. And so, So if for any reason you're like, I'm struggling here, I would just encourage you like figure it out now because these problems exist in every business and they just come in a different costume almost. And so I see a lot of people like the people who do end up giving up in an opportunity or in a business. I just think it's really sad because the people who give up only give up to then start a different business or a different vehicle to then (laughs) confront the same problems at a different point in time. And so. You know, make the best of what you have here, the opportunity you have to make yourself better, given the tools you have. Like these are not these skill sets you could do so many things with. And if you can hone it on now and make your gym excellent, then I think that you set your future self up for success. Love it.
0: Can I add to that confidence real quick for anyone that's wondering about this? I started exactly where everyone is at. I started, and the skill sets that I learned being a client first. And then simply being a a low level employee here and working through multiple different levels of the company, all of those things that I learned, I literally just started listening to what Alex and Layla were saying first as a client, started implementing those skill sets and acquiring those and started thinking through the same way they start looking at things and started applying those to my personal life, applying them to business. Then I got to get in, started learning more about this. And somehow I'm now in a position where I have a title that's cool to the outside world. But if I can give you confidence on this side, it's like, Hey, I literally started exactly where all of y'all are at and keep pushing, keep stacking skills and keep working. There is hope. Cause like, if you look back at me in like eight years ago, you'd be like, what in the world are you doing? Trust me. You'd be like, there's no way. And it's a shout out to Alex and Layla and the entire team and a lot of people along the way. What's really cool is those a lot of people along the way for many of you right now, you're along the way right now and you're on that journey and we're here. Those lots of people are us right now that are willing to pour in that time and help you acquire the skills and do the things that you need to to be the leader in your community so that you can impact more people, you can change more lives and make the money that you need to. And so lean into that. If you guys want to come and hang out with a whole bunch of really cool gym owners and you want to come hang out with our staff, you want to come meet Alex and Layla, and all that stuff go back grab your tickets those of you that have grabbed your tickets drop a one in the chat real quick if you've grabbed it i know mariko grabbed some sweet i love it i love y'all i cannot i seriously cannot wait to see y'all in person this is amazing those of you real quick layla i just want to say thank you so much for coming on you are so busy right now this is probably the busiest time of the quarter for you so you to take the time to come here and talk to everyone i really appreciate it so thank you so much for those of you guys also please drop a huge thank you in the chat for Layla. If y'all took pictures or whatever, post them on social media, tag her, say thank you, put them on your stories. Um, But seriously, thank you. Love your wisdom always um, and your honesty. So thank you for coming on. I appreciate
1: you guys. And I just, I will always have like gym owners in my heart is like what I love. I love you guys. I'm excited to see you guys at the event
0: can't wait. Awesome. Appreciate y'all. If you guys have questions, I'm going to go live in the group real quick and you guys can drop more questions about the event, um, in that, and we can answer those and make sure that we get you covered. So appreciate y'all go crush, go change more lives.